Welcome to the Whiskey Rebellion. This is David Silken in Edinburgh, joined as always by Frank Calcaliano. How are you doing, Frank? David, I am great. Thank you very much. This is our last in-person episode for a while. For, for a while. And do you want to remind listeners who may not have uh, remembered from previous episodes why this is our last in-person episode? For I them? am decamping on Sunday. I am going to Virginia to on a secondment for a year to run the International Center for Jefferson Studies. So I will be based in Charlottesville. I'll be at Monticello. Uh, it's a great opportunity. It's very exciting, but uh, I will be away from Edinburgh for the year. Yes, and, and I will not be. So, um, <laughs> um, so yes, we will find other ways to do the podcast. We will continue, but uh, this will be the last uh, in person, at least uh, for the immediate future. Although you are coming back periodically, you I am coming back periodically, so and to... and I'm assured by our most loyal listener and my most critical listener, my wife Mimi, that uh, our sound is better when we're apart. Anyway, so oh, okay. so uh, listeners might actually find it an improved experience. <laughs> So we're, we're, we're intending to continue, uh, but, but this is our last time in, in person for yes. a while. Uh, and, and as it is the beginning of summer, we thought we'd do sort of a summer-themed, lighthearted kind of, of episode. And so the, the premise of today's episode is we both came up with a list of places or experiences that would help people understand America. Places that, places or experiences, things people might do. To understand the American experience, American history, American culture, read however we want to. Um, and we all have both came up with a list independently. We've not compared notes beforehand, so we may end up with the same 10 things. We may end up with radically different things. But listeners, this is for your summer travel itineraries, places to go, uh, and what have you. Uh, but Frank, before we get into your list, I want to know what your criteria were for picking things. Right. So, so first, I think we have to begin, or at least I want to begin with a, with a caveat, which is America is way too big and way too diverse to, to do this properly. And I'm aware of how limited my list is, and I suspect that our list, the overlap between our lists is probably a problem, frankly, mm. you know, the potential overlap between our lists, because it, re it reflects our own uh, kind of class, gender, educational backgrounds, etc. So, yes. so so this is an indicative list. This is basically oh, oh shock, shock horror. It's a podcast. It's, it's two guys sharing their opinions with no basis. It's <laughs> a, a non-exhaustive -ex list. Right. It's just a uh, right. fun but thing. Okay. In terms of my criteria, I avoided... So, so my... my uh, coming up with this list, I was thinking of, of a of a of a overseas visitor to the United mm. States... Probably somebody British, like our students. So yes. some of our students are listeners, uh, but not. And they often ask us, "What where do I see and things?" Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so so, so um, and so I was thinking of somebody like that in mind. But what I wanted to avoid was the kind of freak show stuff, which is often presented in the media, especially mm -hmm. here. You know, Louis Theroux has made a career like interviewing idiots in America. Mm. And I wanted to avoid that uh, to a large extent. I mean, I like what Greil Marcus described once as the old weird America, mm. but I tried to avoid the kind of excessively over the top stuff that people might expect. Okay. Uh, frankly, because they already get that, and I think we uh, I want to confound that. So, and I tended not to go with iconic places. I started with iconic places, but I, I threw that list out and went more with the experiential. What about you? What were, you, what were your criteria? Okay, well, so I've got a combination of both experiences. I have recommendations on where to have those experiences um, and actually specific places. Um, I wanted to find, and this is sort of, I guess, obvious, the diversity of different kinds of places in terms of city spaces, rural spaces, different parts of the country, different kinds of experiences. Um, I want to have things that were accessible uh, to 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 the listener or the sort of hypothetical student who's asking for places to go. So I didn't pick sitting in the Oval Office. Um, I thought about you know family Thanksgiving, but you got to find a family to host you for Thanksgiving um, or something that that requires just an outlandish amount of money. Uh, so I didn't pick dog sledding across Alaska or something, right? Um, uh, and I wanted to, uh, and I guess the uh, the other criteria is I thought. Uh, places with good food or some place that had a food connection so only could you do a thing but you could eat something with it just because I think America's the diversity of cuisines I think is part of what, what uh, makes America great as or okay okay so what about places with bad food 
Well, there's plenty of places in America with bad food, too. and and what is good food and what is bad food? That is a, that is a that is a matter of taste, and uh, you know, I think it's going to be very interesting. I think there's going to be considerable overlap between our two lists, although okay. we did not consult each other. Okay. But I also think the differences are going to be strong. Okay, so, so, so this is all right. So what do you got on your list? Um, so in the, no particular order, or whatever right. order you want. Um, so my first. And I, I'm pretty sure you have variations mm. on this. Would be to go to a sporting event, but I think these break down into different categories. So I'm cheating a little bit on this one because mm. I think the type of sporting event differs greatly in the experience you would have. So I mean, the the one that would be most alien to many many overseas visitors would be a big time college football game. Uh, I think there's that that is a uniquely American experience. It's a Kind of weird American experience when you step back, but but it's actually uh, and you know you've lived in the southeast for a long time, so you'd be even more familiar with this culture than I am. But I think that particularly if there's tailgating involved would be mm. would be an experience. And then I'd have two other subcategories that I'd recommend, which would be minor league baseball and or going on the other side of the social and political spectrum would be either women's basketball or women's soccer. Both okay. of which are pretty huge kind of cultural experiences that, that have really grown in importance in the past 30 years. But I think and you'd, you'd have very different experiences at a, at a women's college basketball game than you would at a, at a college football game, for example. Okay. Anyway, so but I'm pretty sure you've got sports. Uh, so I, I had that was on my list as well uh, for a sporting event. And likewise, I said I thought a minor league game would be good, just partially because the, the experience of a minor league game is... Fun. It's fun. It's very particular, right? Like it, they, it, 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 I think one thing about large, enormous sporting things, they tend to be, they tend to be somewhat more homogenous. Whereas a minor league game, you know, you get to see the players up close. That's cheaper. The food's cheaper. Um, do you have a favorite minor league park that you would want to recommend? Well, I used to love going to McCoy Stadium in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. But, but they, I think they shut down, didn't they? They did shut down. They did shut down. So the, the, the Pawtucket Red Sox are now in Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, I go to the Lynchburg Hillcats a lot when I'm in Charlottesville. Okay. Um, and I really like the Lynchburg Hillcats. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, there's a heavy, heavy Liberty University presence mm. in those games based on people's t-shirts sure. and things like that, uh, um, which is interesting. The people are extremely friendly. Mm. The people in the ballpark are extremely friendly. It's very cheap. As you say, you can get close to the players. I was there, I think, last summer, and there was a woman... There was a woman coming away from the concession stand, and she bought food for her kids and her family, and she had a big tray of food. And as she turned, a foul ball came and knocked, landed right in her tray, knocked all this food yeah. everywhere. The people working there couldn't have been more helpful. They gave her free food. That was kind of a quintessential... Did she get one. the ball, or did the ball roll off? No, no, no they, gave the the ball. Ball. they gave her the ball. They gave her the ball. But that was a kind of... That's the kind of thing that happens to you at minor league baseball stadiums. And so, so, but but they're all every I've I've never had a bad experience in a minor league baseball game. Do you have a favorite? I uh, I really like Durham uh, Bulls right. Athletic sure. Garden Durham, where the the Durham Bulls play. I mean, I think it, it's it's a really nice stadium, but it's also you know small and intimate, and it's got all the you know the fan engagement stuff. Um, I also had sporting Dewey sporting event, and I had a number of, of options. Minor league baseball game, tailgating at college football, um, you know, uh, and I had a high school football game also, uh, yeah. you know, because I think that's a very particular, especially in certain parts of the country, like the way in which the community turns out for those, as I mean, is that just, you know, for, at least for our, you know, imagining these sort of hypothetical British visitors, like that's not something that really happens to the same extent here, and a NASCAR race. Oh, right. Have you been to a NASCAR race? I, I have not been to a NASCAR race, but I've been to two NASCAR museums. And so I'm going to okay. like round that up. Um, but uh, I, you know, I think the kind of cultural space there, at least the kind of people I saw at the museums, were, were, were you know, in terms of a cross-section of America and who goes to baseball games, who goes to football games and who goes to NASCAR. So do you have a recommendation for a college football venue? Because you, you lived oh, in the Southeast. Yeah, so, you, so you... well, so the, 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 the schools I went to in the Southeast that, that had football were, were, were didn't have good seasons when I was there necessarily. Um, Florida Gators are quite, you know, is, is quite an experience there in the swamp. 
uh, going to see Alabama and, and Tuscaloosa would, would be a real, you know, in terms of, you know, the game is one thing, but the tailgating itself is just all, the whole atmosphere around the thing is, a, you know, just a whole manner of, of things. But, you know, when I taught North Dakota, like North Dakota State wasn't even the top tier football, but the tailgating experience, the kinds of ways in which, you know, the community, whether that's people who are alumni or, you know, that's a, or even just people who love the team for whatever reason. Uh, came around and, and that was sort of part of their weekly ritual. Uh, I think that's something very particularly American about that. David, do you want to explain what tailgating is? Oh, uh, so tailgating, um, the tailgate refers to the tailgate of a, of a truck traditionally, but it could be any kind of vehicle, uh, is a whole series of festivities that start usually early in the morning, if not the day before the game, in which people have barbecues and, and beer and sometimes you know, picnic tables set up with all spread of food. Uh, and uh, it's a sort of a celebration that happens adjacent to the game, commensurate with the game. Uh, people dress up in the colors of their team, face paint, the whole thing. It's a, it's a real, very particular kind of experience. Where, where have you gone tailgating? Probably in Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame is the kind of college football experience par excellence that I've had. Mm. I've been elsewhere, but that uh, been there several times. Um, and yeah, the tailgating experience is, is I mean, it lasts for hours and hours yeah, and hours. Sure. In fact, if it's a night game, it's a problem because you start at about 11 yeah. in the morning and you're yes. eating and drinking all day. Um, but If but, that's a problem. But <laughs> Notre Dame is interesting and I suspect it's true elsewhere. I mean, I've been, mm. uh, in that, Again, as a cultural experience, because frankly, I don't like American football all that much. I've had mm. you know, to, to go to, to watch a game in person is fairly tedious because it takes three and a half hours, mm. and it's it's much better on television than, than in person. But as an experience, as a fusion of kind of American civic religion, so mm. you know the, the 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 expressions of patriotism, flyovers, all this kind of at Notre Dame, they read the preamble of the Declaration of Independence before the game. Um, and they say a prayer yeah, because okay. it's a Catholic yeah, institution. Sure. So this kind of fusion of religion and patriotism and sport is really, really interesting. Yes, and 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 um, well, it's interesting. And then and then the fact that and again, this often mystifies people uh, outside of the United States. The fact that these are university students mm. or university age students in the main playing in front of audiences of, you know, the big house in Michigan is more than 100,000 people, mm -hmm. uh, is is really unusual. So, so yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I can strongly recommend as a kind of a cultural experience going to a big-time college football game. All right. So. Okay, so, so we both recommend that, and I, we both had very similar kinds of sporting events we, we thought about. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, so we agreed on that. Is Are there any... I mean, there are lots of sporting events we didn't include. Would, yeah. you, would you rule out going to an NFL game, for example? I mean, football no, I mean, is the national. Yeah, sure, I mean, like I, th I think going to a, a, a NFL game. I mean, I think pro sports at the elite level is, is fascinating to watch. Um, you know, I also had going to a college basketball game because I think that's a also you know just the college sports. I think it's just a fascinating idiosyncrasy. Um, but I think you you get the you know if you want to have a real experience, I think you have a better time, at least a cheaper time, uh, at either college or minor league kinds of things. Right. Okay, I went first. So what do you okay. have second? Uh, I had, my number what one. What do you have next? Next, I had camping at a national park. I think the national parks are one of the great gems of the United States, and I think camping as an experience is also there's some very particular. You run into interesting people when you go camping, um, because you're next to somebody, and you you know you never they could be from around the world, they could be from another part of the United States, they have a very different worldview, and it's one of these places that you end up encountering uh, lots of different people. Uh, and I had a list of parks here, of places I would recommend. I went, I've done a lot of camping in national parks, uh, but my top choice, or national historic sites or what have you, uh, my top choice, uh, my, my runners-up were Yellowstone, Zion, Arches, and Grand Canyon, all of which are breathtaking. My number one choice, though, was Chaco Canyon, okay, uh, which is in um, New Mexico. Uh, and I picked it for a couple reasons. One, it's the site of, of the ancestral Pueblo people, uh, so it's, you know, it's got Native American stuff, but, but pre-Columbian Native American stuff. Um, it's amazingly beautiful. It's in the desert. It's also in the absolute middle of nowhere, right? You got to drive 
couple hours north of Albuquerque, you end up going off on a dirt road to get there. There is no restaurants there. There is no hotel there. The only way to go stay there is to camp outside. Uh, but it's one of these places that when you're camping outside, you can really see all of the stars because there's no light pollution. Um, and I think as a place to demonstrate, you know, really the size of the United States, I think one thing that makes the United States just phenomenal is just how large it is. And, and some places are very crowded, but some places are pretty empty. And, and Chaco Candy is one of the places that sort of demonstrates that to you. Um, but a phenomenally interesting, you know, if you're interested in history, there's tons of stuff there. The campsite is right next. You can see sort of petroglyphs on the wall, like right next to your campsite. Uh, so uh, I highly recommend that but camping at many of the other national parks is also really worthwhile have you done any camping i hate camping you hate camping hate camping you 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 couldn't uh, i love national parks are very nice but i'm not camping thank you very much okay you like sleeping in a real bed i like sleeping in a real real bed bed and eating food that isn't cooked over a fire yep i'm uh i am not a camper okay if if that's your thing a good i I, well (laughs) we did a lot of it uh you know before we moved to the uk I think maybe now as I'm getting slightly older, I may be less inclined to do the camping out on the... Have you camped in the UK at all? No, we've not. We didn't bring any of our camping stuff with us, so we haven't managed to acquire any new ones. Um, Something we should should do, because camping here, I've heard, is good. All right, what else is next on your list? Right, so I don't... My list is not in order. This is just the list. I'm just going to pick things off the list. So so one I have that I... um, Well, my next thing is... Go to a used bookstore in a college town. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, the reason for this, well, first of all, I love used bookstores. But used bookstores, I mean, there are great used bookstores in the major cities of the United States. But I think college, used bookstores in college towns are particularly special for the following reasons. I think, first of all, they're a little bit of a kind of um, time capsule of what's been taught at that mm. at whatever the school is at the university or college where the place is based because students will sell their books mm. <laughs> after after their courses so you find out what what's you find out what was taught four or five years ago in mm. some cases uh, and so I think that's interesting but also the people who tend to live in college towns are bookish peoples <laughs> and they're often academics or academic adjacent and and so the kinds of kind of Bargains you can find of really interesting books are great. So, so I had good experiences in secondhand bookstores and college mm. towns, and always talk to the people running them because mm. they're always, whether they're PhD students who didn't finish or hippies, or they're, they're always interesting. Yeah. They're always interesting. And I've you know I've gone to used bookstores in you know everywhere from Berkeley to Charlottesville to Cambridge, mm. Massachusetts to and and. They're always interesting. No, that, they're that, that, always that's interesting. That's a really good call. Yeah, and they take on the flavor of the institution. Yeah. So they're all a little bit different, but and, and you'll find bargains. And sometimes you find uh, professors when they retire or otherwise depart the university. Um, sometimes their, their books end up in these college books. That's know, these, right. And you end up saying like, "Oh, wow, these are you know so and so famous historians." Uh, you know, books. And you, that's right. Or and you can was, buy them for two dollars. Yeah, yeah, and it was or it was given to them yeah. by a. Even famous story two generations ago. So yeah, that that's 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 a great call. Yeah, thank you. That's a very particular for it is people like us. Call, but, but yes. no, but I think if you're in if you're in a t- big university town in the US and they're also worth visiting. Yes. But a bookstore in those places is worth it definitely worth a look. So when you go to the football game, you go to the you go to the bookstore. Exactly. You can make beforehand. a weekend of it. Exactly. You can exactly. skip the game itself. You can go to the but don't go I mean you can go to the college bookstore and buy sweatshirts or whatever mm. if you want, but I'm talking about go to an independent bookstore in that town. Good call. Yeah, thank you. All what, right. what, whatever you got. What's I got I go to a state fair. And and I have I've, I've got a couple of recommendations in terms of state fairs. The guy I really like the North Carolina State Fair for personal reasons. Minnesota State Fair, the Iowa State Fair, if you want to run into politicians. Um, have you been to a state fair, Frank? Yeah, but I've, the state fairs I've been to have been in the Northeast, East. where the state fair culture is not the same. Okay. Uh, so, you know, what you have at a state fair is a, is a conglomeration of, of a several different events simultaneously. You've got um, kind of a, a, a traveling amusement park with, with roller coasters, not great ones, uh, Ferris yeah, wheels. that's always safe. Well, you know, it's, it's always sort of like, do, well, if I get on this ride, will I die? You know, it's sort of with a sketchy kind of thing there, and and attendant, uh, you know, midway kinds of of, of carny things. So it's got all of those things. 
but it also has the agricultural uh, um, greatness of that locality, whether that's butter sculptures or cows or horse, you know, whatever it is that state is really good at, you will see the best of, of those things there. Um, and they have really weird foods that you really only see at state fairs, um, deep fried whatever, depending on where you are. Um, you know, so it's not a healthy experience, but I think it's a very particular uh, experience. And I, I haven't seen really the equivalent here. Have you been to the Royal Highland Show? show. So there's bits, I've not been to the Royal Highland, there are bits of, of state fairs that are like the Royal Highland Show, but they don't also have these other things sort of in the mix with them. Like you don't have politicians going, you know, around the state fair saying, hi, I'm running for state legislature, and that's the place where they meet people or, you know. So, so they tend to be be interesting mixes of uh, of both the agricultural show with all of these other, you know with a Ferris wheel and with cotton candy and deep fried Mars bars or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I want to highly recommend people go to a state fair because that's another place where you see a really interesting cross section of, of people. The kind of people who go to state fairs it, you know spans the political spectrum, people of all ages. Lots of kids. They often have concerts and, and stuff. Uh, truck pulls, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, or even if you're not into that kind of thing, that's the kind of thing you get to see. Um, all for a relatively low price. So I want to recommend state fairs. Okay. Okay. What's next on your list? Um, well, randomly taken, I think you should go to a major urban train station. And by this I mean, I'm thinking not... Not a random urban station. <laughs> I'm talking about one of the grand stations that are around in the major cities of the U.S. So I'm mm. thinking, I mean, the quintessential one would be Grand Central Station in mm. New York. I'm going to say something about that in a second. But I'm also thinking Union Station in, in Washington, Union Station in L.A. Mm. Um, and these are often really, really amazing places architecturally and grand public spaces. They're also busy and of their city and of their place, which I find really interesting. You can often get really good food in these places as one, mm. one of your criteria. So the dining concourse at Grand Central is amazing. Yeah. And there are great bars in there. Um, Grand Central is amazing. My, I've got a slight criticism of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or, or why, why I, I think Union Station might be better. Um, because what I really want people to experience at, at a train set, South Station in Boston is another oh. one, um, is the place, but also the fact that it's a place where people are traveling to and from. Mm. And the reason Grand Central loses a point, as far as I'm concerned, is it's not an Amtrak station, because the Amtrak station's Penn Station, now Moynihan Train Pavilion, yeah, or whatever yeah. they've renamed it. And I wouldn't recommend going to Penn Station. It's awful. Although the new Moynihan thing is nice, nice. but it's like a mall. It's, mm. it's, it's Grand Central's grand, but it's basically only New York area commuters. And I think you need the Amtrak element to it as well. The people, you know, the train that's going, mm. you know, the Crescent down to New Orleans or the sure. Crescent City down to New Orleans or whatever, as well as the commuter up to Poughkeepsie. So, so although Grand Central's amazing, and if you're mm. in New York, you just got to go to Grand Central. Um... It, it might lose a point because of that. However, and here's a here's a travel hack. Here's a tip. If you're going to one of these, if you're going to an Amtrak station, go to the Red Caps to board your train. The Red Caps are there. The Red Cap service is there. And the reason for this, there are two reasons for this. One is they get you on the train first. So if you're boarding at, boarding at Penn Station, which is awful, mm-hmm. um, They'll lecture on the train 15 minutes early and you'll get a seat. More importantly, though, every time I've ever used the Red Cap service, they are really funny. They are real. You, you get a real insight. Have you ever used the Red Cap service? No, I've never done this. David, it's. I'm writing it down. You, theoretically, it's free. You got to tip them. I mean, that's how they make their sure. money. And so you got to tip them. And it's, depending on the station, five or $10 per bag. Okay. But it is money well spent because you're going on the train first. And these guys, it's almost always men, not always, but almost always men, are really funny. But they're also funny, they're working class people from that city. So mm. they're very different in Boston than they are in Washington. Um, and, and, but anyway, I think you need to experience a big 
old train station in America, get a coffee, mm. and watch the world go by. Good call. All right. Thank you. Go to Grand Central, but go someplace else as well. Okay. Do you have a preference? We'll take a train from Grand Central. Well, I don't know. We forgot to. Yeah, but so, I mean, do you have a preference? Union Station versus Grand Central? Oh, You're a New York guy, but uh, Union it, Station. Well, it depends on where I'm going, honestly. Yeah, I think sure. That's, a, that's the big. Um, you know, the. I, I, if I had to pick one to go to, I'd go to Grand Central. I just think it's prettier. Um, it's gorgeous. But, um, yeah, I'm, I end up using Penn Station more often. So, uh, take that for what it's worth. What's next? Uh, my, next on my list, a 24-hour diner. It's on my list, too. Two. Okay, okay. We are... <laughs> Two middle-aged white oh guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, uh, for those of you who have not been... I think there's, there's something very particular about... You know, the food is fine, depending on which diner it is. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's less good. Um, the thing about a 24-hour diner is you can get a bottomless cup of coffee, which is one of the things I honestly miss most about the United States. Uh, is is a waitress who will come around every five minutes and refill your cup of coffee, um, which I know, Frank, you're not a coffee drinker, so you don't understand what that is. But there's a very particular way in which you feel cared for when someone's walking around and refilling your cup of coffee. Um, you know, and you see, especially if you're there at weird hours, you, you see, you know, a cross-section of, of, of the United States in an interesting way, you know, especially if you're in a big city or a small town you will see everybody goes to the diner you know and then so they'll be working class people they'll be businessmen and uh, people who are working the night shift you know and and going to the diner before they go home and crash people who are you know getting up early you know so if you show up at a diner at 3 a.m you'll see interesting people there uh and i really i really love what do you like about diners yeah so i had a diner i had diners on my list as well um, and I agree with everything you just said, uh, except, but as you say, I'm not a coffee drinker. I love going to diners despite the fact that tea is absolute crap. They don't, I mean, America's yeah. a terrible country for getting tea anyway, but diners are especially bad for tea in my experience. And I've been to a lot of diners. Mm-hmm. So, so with that caveat, except for iced tea, which yeah. if you're down South, um, I, I think you're absolutely right. I would suggest, I would I would say a couple of things in response to this. One is go on a Sunday morning when it's crowded and you have to line up to get mm. in. Because one of the things that's really interesting is you line up with all kinds of people. Mm. And that is that is interesting. Because uh, everybody goes to the diner. No, I'm exaggerating, of course. But lots and lots, a cross-section of mm. America goes to a diner on a Sunday morning. It's an interesting uh, kind of classless space. Yeah, that's right. And you get people coming after church on Sunday. And I imagine we're going to get to churches soon. Mm. Um, but but diners are great. So, so I think go when it's crowded. Because the other thing that's really impressive mm. is how quickly the line moves. Because they know how to get people in and out of yeah. a diner when it's busy. But also go when it's quiet, as yeah. you suggested. So I think I, I would I would make two visits to a diner. Once when it's on a Sunday morning mm. uh, and when it's busy. And also when it when it's quiet. The other thing I would say is, with respect to diner food, and I, I uh, my first job was working in a diner. So I, 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 in fact, I lived the American dream, David. I worked my way up from dishwasher to cook over the course of yeah. I worked in a diner for eight years. Oh wow! Uh, so, so so I I I got some experience. Um, and and um, in in high school and, and college, um, diners have these huge menus, mm. and. Places with huge menus are often the food is terrible. Get twenty four hour breakfast. Mm. Get you know like too over easy with a side of hash, no toast, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, breakfast food, almost mm, all diners good. will yes. do well wherever you are in the country. Um, in the Northeast, a lot of the diners are run by Greeks, so the Greek food would mm. be good. The stuff grape leaf, stuff like that. But, but you're taking a if you if you veer too far, you know, like you don't go to a diner to get, you know, tofu stir fry no, or no, something, no. something like that usually. Uh, it might be on the menu. Everything's on the, the menu. menu. But, but, st- but, but stick omelet, to breakfast. Stick to 24-hour breakfast. Omelet, pancakes if you can have pancakes. Grits if you're in the South. Yeah. You know, hash browns. I was at a diner um, with my daughter uh, a few months ago and she got pancakes. And, um, you know, my daughter is, 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 is was raised in, in Scotland and... and she was struggling to get through these this short stack of pancakes, mm. which was three pancakes, but they were big. And she said, she sort of said, oh, I forgot what American portions <laughs> are like. And the waitress came by to fill her cup of coffee oh. and said, you've got this, sweetheart. You've got to <laughs> power through, girl. 
<laughs> and that's a kind of typical diner. You'll all you, yeah. you often you almost always get a friendly welcome. Yes. and you meet interesting people. So yeah. diner definitely. Okay. Yeah. And the other culinary recommendation of diners, their their pies are often excellent. Or yes. desserts generally, there's often like a tray, and, and you get thirty seven choices. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So 24-hour breakfast and pie. Right, and pie, yeah. And those two things are not mutually exclusive. Do you have a favorite diner that you like? Um, I really like the Tip Top Diner in Charlottesville. Okay. Which I go to a lot. And I, I might be there in the next week or so. All right. Well, so, so listeners, if you're in Charlottesville area, go to, go to the Tip Top Diner. Okay. Because that was that, I think that was mine. But, but avoid, there. sorry, avoid a big chain like Denny's. Or, I mean, you can go to those places, like big breakfast places, things yeah. like that. But don't give in to big breakfast. Go to an independent and, diner. Yeah. Waffle houses are an interesting ex- cultural experience. That's true. But, that's different. Um, but and those are a chain, but those are very particular uh, kinds of places. Um, and you run into interesting people in a waffle house. You see, you see America there. All right. So, well, what, what, what's next on on your list? Um, try, but you will be unsuccessful mm. to order a sandwich in a deli in New York. Because if you go into a deli in New York at lunchtime. Mm. Or if you go to go to a sandwich place in New York and try to order at lunchtime, especially as a foreigner, but not only as a foreigner, mm. I will say, unless you're a New Yorker, it's really hard to do at the speed that is acceptable to the other patrons and to the people working there. Ah, uh, and so first of all, you will be faced with a bewildering choice of options. Yes, which is often overpowering. Uh, but the bewildering options are, 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 it incapacitates people who, if you're not ready by the time you get to the corner, mm. uh, counter, you're going to hear it. But I think the experience of ordering in a deli in New York, to order and take away right. a sandwich to go, is, is something people should try. What do you think, as uh, a New Yorker? I, I don't remember the anxiety of ordering a sandwich in New York, but maybe that's because I'm a native New Yorker and so I, you know, was born ready to do that right have you ever abused anybody who was in front of no, you guys, i don't abuse people i'm not that kind of guy like people have issues and like whatever it is i mean i'm just waiting for my sandwich depends how hungry i am but you don't get to the front of the queue and then say what kind of bread do you have yeah, no or, you know that kind of thing you got to be ready well i usually have like an idea before i go to right. the place of what i want to have and you know, know that because you know, you're a new yorker and usually like a pastrami on rye is not a bad choice and you right. get that and you go right um that have your order ready. Yes. Okay. But I think that's a unique. That's not unique because I've, you know, there are places if you're out at lunchtime in London where you know they, they want you to be mm. ready. But 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 I think that's a, I think ordering a sandwich in New York is an experience. Yeah. Okay. Should. All right. What about you? Um, the rest of my list, I think, um, are all very sp- actually specific places where I think you should go. And since we're on the New York, I'll go with the New York one next because we're on New York. And obviously I'm from New York. There's lots of parts of New York that are interesting. But I'm going to recommend going to Lower Manhattan. Because I think one of the things you see in Lower Manhattan is the diversity of the immigrant experience. And so I think there's a way in which you can see a lot of things in a short amount of time. And I would start at the Battery. I would spend the morning going after you've had your bagel or whatever it is if, if, uh, uh, in the morning. You, you go to Ellis Island, see Ellis Island. You've been, you've been to Ellis Island. Then, once you get back from the ferry in Ellis Island, you go and get lunch in Chinatown. Then you go to the Tenement Museum, and then you have dinner in Little Italy. And all that is within, you know, less than two-mile walk. Uh, and I think you really get a sense of, of, you know, a tremendous amount of history and diverse food experiences and, and different kinds of demographics of people. Um, and I think that kind of, that shows you an element of what America is that's very different than what you get in many other places. So I would recommend visiting Lower Manhattan and you can just poke around. There's, there's you know, if, if you love history, there's lots of things to see. And if you don't love history, there's lots of good food to eat and things to smell and what have you. Look, that's good. That's good. I mean, I, I was, I was going to suggest... A variation of that less specific mm. sort of almost visit ethnic enclaves in any major city, city right. depending on the city you know they, 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 they will vary but but that's more specific but it's a, it's a variation mm. of the that, yeah, that's a good one all right what's next on your list Walmart oh, I had that as I, I, that was the on my like extended list was Walmart okay uh, so so what is it about Walmart that uh, well, first of all, it's the largest retailer in the country. Mm-hmm. It might be the largest employer in the country. If not, it's one of the largest employers in the country. At various points down, at least. I know right. it has been. Okay. So, 
as an experience, as a place where both Americans go to buy stuff, mm. but also where Americans work. It's mm. quite an important institution. Um, it's not necessarily a pleasant place to go. It can be. I mean, you will meet all kinds of people in Walmart. Mm -hmm. You will meet nice people. <laughs> you will meet not so nice people, but I, I think going to a Walmart it, and, and you'll be able to find one almost anywhere mm. <laughs> in, in any town of, a, of size um, is a, an important American experience. I, I would have said, you know, 25, 30 years ago, oh, go to a supermarket. Mm. But we've got huge supermarkets here now. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I think Walmart's a particular, it, it occupies a particular kind of cultural mm. and economic space. That's quite significant. Mm -hmm. Quite significant. Now there are other places like Target and so on, but I think Walmart is is the best example. What, so yeah, no, I think I think I think you're right that the, you know there are other places that are similar, but but no, there's no place where you can get your groceries and buy a, a hunting rifle in the same place. Right, and um, a computer and, and car tires. Right, yeah. like all these things, and, and and fit them in your cart, and off you go. Um, and that yeah, there's a very and, and it's a very particular. You know, it, it, you said you can go to them anywhere, but it is uh, you know there, it's not an urban phenomenon. No, 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 it's a suburban, urban, and exurban, urban and and rural, right? Like yeah. Often it's you know the thing that uh, you find in sort of a, between towns or something. That's right. Not least because they're they're huge, huge, yeah. So you, they don't have them in big urban spaces because they right. would cost too much. But um, and there are more shopping options in major urban places. centers. So you're right, they're more suburban than exurban. And and but they they become the place where, where you know they, people buy everything. Uh, so it, you know, it it's a good good call. That was on my, my long my long list. Um, also on places that are, are everything and everywhere uh, I had on my list uh, spending the day at Hoover Dam and the night in Las Vegas. You see I ruled out Las Vegas because I didn't want freaky stuff. That that is stereotypical. Um, so because so, Brits go to Las Vegas. Vegas, that's true. That's um, true. So so anyway, so justify your well, so justify your choice. Justify my choice. Okay, so um, I actually don't really like Las Vegas personally. I mean, the, the one time I've been, I, I it wasn't for me. But I think it 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 shows a certain sort of side of of, of American society. Um, you know, the 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 over the topness of Vegas is interesting. The decadence of, of Vegas is interesting. Um, the all-you-can-eat buffets in Vegas are interesting. Um, the doing Hoover Dam, though, I think as is, have you been to Hoover Dam? No. No. Okay. So it is even bigger than you think it is. Um, you know, and 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 you know, it's not that far from Vegas itself. You know, the drive between the two, you see lots of things on the way, so I think you get you know, sort of two different experiences in in, in one there um, uh, of seeing. Uh, you know the New Deal's largesse and 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 the, you know in, in uh, manufacturing capacity in terms of this, the 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 Hoover Dam, but then also sort of the second half of the twentieth century and what what it created in Las Vegas is it's worth seeing, even if you, even if I didn't particularly like it. But I think it, it shows you something about America between those two things. I went to, I'm not going to elaborate further, but I went to a wedding in Las Vegas. You went to a wedding? Okay. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Say, okay. <laughs> Elvis may or may not have been there. But right. it was a unique experience, experience I will right? say that. But, but you I, know, there are things that happen in Vegas that, that, you know, you don't see other places. And so I think there's... Yeah, but I think... I ruled it out on the kind of, because of the over-the-topness. Over over the top okay. Uh, and the fact that it is one of, you know... Vegas and Orlando are two places that Brits do go to. Do we? Sure, sure. Okay, but anyway, okay. I, 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 I think your Hoover Dam choice does elevate Indeed. that. Okay, so, so I, I'd probably pass your answer on that. I, okay, if I were assessing. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, what else you got? Um, I think if you can. Hmm. Go to a naturalization ceremony. Oh wow! Okay. So, uh, in fact, one reason, I, one thing I'm excited about go, arriving in Charlottesville this weekend is I'll be at Monticello on the Fourth of July. Mm. And one of the things they always do at Monticello on the Fourth of July is they swear in a they, they have a naturalization ceremony and swear in a bunch of new citizens. Mm. And it's always very very moving. 
that you don't have to be kind of a super patriot or anything else. It's just it's very moving to see people who who are taking the oath to become citizens. Okay, um, and they they often have. Um, well, it depends on the, where you go to the ceremony. I've seen these several mm. times, but uh, it's it's special at Monticello. But it's special everywhere. It's definitely worth worth seeing. I think. Okay. Have you ever been to I, one? I, the only naturalization ceremony I've been to was the one I did for becoming a British citizen. I did that on my couch because it was during the pandemic. Right. Okay. So it was a uneventful experience, but you know, that's something I should definitely try to try to do. Cool. All right. Um, my next one is uh, go to Memphis and go to the Civil Rights Museum and Beale Street and have chicken and waffles. Okay. Have you been to Memphis? I have. Have you been to the Civil Rights Museum? I have. It's okay. Great. Yeah. I've also, also in Tennessee, would recommend Nashville. Oh, Nashville is excellent. Right. There's, I think, the, I had a huge long list, and, 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 but, but there's something I think very particular about going to the Civil Rights Museum and being where working was shot and telling that story. But also, you know, not that far from there, you know, Beale Street and, and hearing hearing some great music and eating some really great food. I think there's there's something to be, be said for that as a, you know, you can do that in a day, but have just have a, a wealth of different kinds of experiences in fairly short order. So I, I would recommend a trip to, to Memphis among many, many other places that are worth visiting. But Nashville's great, too. Yeah. Good. Re- recreation of the, uh, the, the Parthenon there is Weird and awesome. Yeah. Okay. Cool. You got anything else, or have we exhausted you? Uh, I've got a couple more. Okay. Um, this is a bit of a cliche. Well, it is a cliche, but I think it's it's it it would take a long road trip. Mm. I don't care where you go. It doesn't have to be Route sixty six. It could be Route sixty six, mm. but just a long road trip. Pick two places and drive between them. Um, and stop on the way and have lunch yes. and, and, and whatever. Uh, and if it takes several days, all the better. Um, and I, I think you'll just meet Americans. You'll see Americans. Mm. You'll, you'll see huge people in huge pickup trucks. You'll see, you'll see a wide range of views expressed on people's bumper stickers. Mm, yes. <laughs> and, and, you'll, and, and you'll meet a lot of nice people. No, to be um, sure. I I wouldn't recommend the Northeast because the driving there is not very pleasant mm. and it's often quite crowded and probably the same. Although going down the West Coast is nice, but but I think it, it almost doesn't matter where you go. I mm. think a kind of two or three day road trip um, is a good idea. Oh, I'd highly recommend that. Right, it's not the most environmentally friendly choice. Get a, get an uh, electric car. Well, hopefully, you get find a hybrid. Or, exactly. Yeah, I mean, right. Um, no, we've done that. We've done lots and lots of. Very what's long your drive. favorite? Do you have a favorite? Oh, well, we had a trip that we did. Um, I, I had a fellowship in the Huntington, which is in Los Angeles. So we drove from North Carolina to Los Angeles. Wow, okay. that's. Uh, and we camped along the way at all kinds of places. Uh, and then we went from the Los Angeles to Chicago and camped a bunch of other places. So, yeah, that was most of the country. So those were two different routes, though. Did you have a preference? Or you know, was our favorite oh, stretch? Oh, they were both amazing. Um, I really liked um, Utah. What? There's a lot of great national parks in Utah that, that were really, really a lot of fun. Um, yeah, the last little bit in Chicago was kind of boring, but, uh, you know, uh, the... Uh, and rest areas and truck stops are right. And get off the interstate if you can. You know, the interstate is are very tempting because they're, they're big and wide and amazing, but... You know, do try to get off and do bits of old Route 66 that are still there, um, uh, you know, and, and go to, you know, and if you end up at Santa Monica and all kinds of stuff, it's, it's uh, yeah, worth, worth the drive. Cool. And driving in America is, I think, a very different kind of experience than driving in this country. I say that not driving in this country, but, but at least... My understanding of sort of the cultural experiences in two places is it's yeah. There, there's a saying which I might have even said on this podcast, so forgive me. But uh, the, uh, and I, I did not make this up. I've mm. heard it from several people. The difference in the UK and the US is that in the UK, they think 300 miles is a long way, and in the US, we think 300 years is a long, long time. time. Yes, <laughs> and 300 miles is a long way in the UK. Mm, driving yeah. 300, you know, driving from here to London, that's some hard driving. Yeah. yeah. The rest areas are good here, actually. Mm. Um, but but the the uh, driving in the U.S., especially if you get out of the Northeast mm. and the West Coast, is pretty easy. Yeah, drivers are generally okay. 
Uh, they're not as fast as they are in the UK. They're faster in the UK. It depends on where you are in the US. Some of them are places people are going 80, 90, 100. You haven't driven much in the UK. Do you? I have not. No, no. I, I, <laughs> I stay on my bicycle. It's safer that way. Um, okay. Um, we're, we're running out of time here, so I just want to just lay out a few other places on my list here of places I think are really great to go. Um, I think New Orleans is definitely worth a visit if you've never been to New Orleans and, and seeing the French Quarter and seeing Bourbon Street uh, and having beignets uh, and and gumbo and having a Sazerac. Uh, I think New Orleans is a great city to experience. The music, the food, uh, the, the physical environment, uh, it's it's really like no other place in the United States, but I think it is both some places definitely worth worth a visit if you've not been there um i also had disneyland so oh, i think there's God. <laughs> i think because i think there's something you know very particular about especially like main street usa and disneyland that that is is trying to you know uh, embody a certain vision of what the united states should be or had been or something and, and i think there's ways that that you know, for if you're interested in sort of a cultural anthropology of Americans and people from around the world and what they think America is, you know, having seen other parts of America going to Disneyland, seeing that is, is fascinating. I think you're down on Disney. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, you can go to Paris and go to Disneyland. Um. Yeah, but, but but I think there there is you know there's something very particular about. Okay, maybe you're right. I mean, theme parks, sure. Um, well, they're not my thing. I mean, okay. uh, people enjoy them, so go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think people should go to church. Okay. But I, I, I think what I wouldn't recommend, mm. and we may disagree on okay. this, is I'd avoid mega churches and all that. I, I mean, again, the outsiders have this vision of Americans as sort of religious freaks. Mm. And clearly, in terms of practicing religion, the U.S. is kind of mm. an outlier compared to most industrial and post-industrial societies. But the vast majority of Americans don't go to crazy churches. Mm. Most of them... So, so I think you should go to church wherever you happen to be. Yeah. And so if it's mass, because you're in a suburb of a city in the Northeast where lots of people are Catholic, go to mass. Um, if, if it's a Protestant church or whatever. So I think just go to a mainstream, mainline church mm. and see people because that's a, it's a uniquely... No, it's not uniquely... American, but it is a it is a common American experience. It's more common than it is in many other parts of the world. Yeah. Um, now, unchurched people are the fastest growing segment of the American population, so I don't want to overdo this. But I think going to church um, or a place of worship it might mm. be it might be a yeah. temple or or a mosque, but in the main, I think going to a mainstream place of worship in the United States. Yeah. Is a good idea. Yeah, I think I also had that as, as on my long list of, of places you know, and and do a diversity of different ones. Go to a you know a Black Baptist church in the South. Go to a mega church. Go to a, a Catholic church. You know, in in go to a cathedral in New York City, right? And, and get a variety of different kinds of religious experiences. I think that's that's one of the things that makes uh, America interesting. The last place I had on my my specific list of places to go is Harper's Ferry. And I thought about lots of other sort of historic... You're like toddler. You don't like Harper's Ferry? No, no. I deliberately left off historic, historic sites. sites. Well, one thing is I think is interesting about Harper's... And I thought about a number of different historic sites that, that might be worth going to. I think Harper's Ferry, even if you take away the, you know, John Brown Ray, you take away the Civil War battle, I think it's a very beautiful place. And I think it's an interesting landscape. Um... And so I think, you know, one of the, th the criteria I, I sort of used in thinking about this was, would this be of interest to people, whether they are interested in the main attraction of it or not, right? And I think like going to a college football game is interesting whether you like football or not, because there's a there's a world around it. And I sure. think Harper's Ferry is that sort of place where if you're interested in the specifics of what happened in 1859, it's, you know, sort of sacred ground kind of stuff. But if you're interested in... You know, hiking and wilderness, um, you know, I think it's a, an interesting place to, to, to look at that. It is a beautiful spot. So. It is a beautiful spot. Well, Jefferson said so. so but, didn't and it's very close to 
It's amazing how close it is to, to Washington, Washington right? Example. Yeah, um, and and easy to get to. So I'd have them on the list. All right, so so listeners, we've given you a long list of places to go uh, all across the country and experiences to have. Uh, let us know uh, it, what we missed, and if you go to these places. Uh, whether you had a good time or make suggestions because yes, there's no way exhausted no to be sure we could have had a, a we could be gone the next five hours but but we won't because uh, Frank has to pack <laughs> and other kind of stuff um, so time for last drops what you got uh, I want to uh, acknowledge the passing of my friend Richard Bernstein who published he was a very widely published historian mm. and legal scholar published under the name R.B. Bernstein. There are lots of Richard Bernsteins. Mm. Um, and, and Richard uh, died this week, I'm sad to say, uh, quite suddenly and unexpectedly. And um, he was a friend to many. Um, he was a friend of mine. He was a wonderful scholar. But most importantly, he was an incredibly generous scholar. Mm. So he helped everybody. Uh, if you had a question about even the most esoteric thing, if you asked Richard, he would either know the answer or he'd find the answer out for you. And he just had a generosity of spirit and a warmth about him, which was very, very unusual. And um, he will be missed. He was a very, he was, he was a wonderful scholar, but more than that, he was a very, very nice man. And so I'm sorry to mark the passing of, of Richard Bernstein. Hmm. What do you have, David? All right. Well, so since I was recommending places in America, I thought I'd recommend for our listeners who are local a place uh, in Edinburgh, greater Edinburgh, uh, that I had not been, but I've been wanting to go to for many years. And I finally got a chance to go to last weekend. And uh, it was was worth the wait. Uh, it's a bit hard to get to. It's a place called Jupiter Artland, which is near, uh, I guess, Kirk Newton. Um, but it's an outdoor art exhibit landscape art weird um, interpretive stuff you sort of are walking through both open fields there's some ponds there's some forest land and interspersed in all these lands is is a variety of different art outdoor art exhibits um you know i'm not a big modern art guy but this was really uh, I think worth doing as an experience. It's something that would be good for families. It's good for um, you know a place to walk around, see some interesting things. And they had a really extraordinary. We had lunch there. A really extraordinary restaurant. Like the food was art, and tasted amazing, looked amazing. Um, and it's only open in the summer, uh, but I highly recommend going to Jupiter Artland if you're looking for a, an Edinburgh experience that's slightly outside of town, wow. but accessible on public transportation. What which bus do you take? Do you remember? I don't. Right, okay. I think it's, it's the yeah it's one of the the country the Lothian country buses. Right, excellent. All right, Good. cheers, David. Cheers. The Whiskey Rebellion is hosted by David Silkenet and Frank Cogliano. David is a senior lecturer in American history at the University of Edinburgh, and Frank is professor of American history and dean international for North America at the University of Edinburgh. The Whiskey Rebellion is available on iTunes, Stitcher and Podbean. You can follow the show on Twitter at WhiskeyRebelPod and like the show on Facebook for updates about current and future episodes. 